0: Let's open our Bibles to the book of Acts. Not too shabby. We should be enthusiastically uh, grateful for the opportunity to open our Bibles. This is the series that we're in. We're we're in the book of Acts, and this series is called The Spirit-Filled Church. I was giving you a chance to be happy about that. The series we're called is this. It's called the Spirit Filled Church because we want to learn what that meant so that we can live what that means. Amen. Yeah. We're going to pick up today in chapter 4, beginning at verse 32, and we'll go through chapter 5, verse 11. All the believers were united. In heart and mind. Now, were I earlier in my uh, uh, in my uh, leading of, of Bible study, I occasionally would get um, oh, I don't know, perhaps mocked, not really, uh, teased a little bit for going a little too slowly. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But and it, were I my younger self, I might have just stopped at the first part of verse 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind. That there is the spirit-filled church. Every, every line is good, but let's keep going. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles Testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. Also, 33, really good verse. 34, there were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles and and, and give to those in need. For instance, this is what Luke does. He pauses to give us, he gives a, a general statement and then gives us examples. Uh, for instance, there was Joseph, one of the apostles, nicknamed Barnabas, which means "son of encouragement." He was from the tribe of Levi and came from this the island of Cyprus. He told he sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Now, if anybody has a study Bible or has questions, you, or you read the the Pentateuch. You might say, hey, wait a minute, Dab. Yeah, I thought Levites weren't supposed to own property. Well, people go out of their way to try to explain this all kinds of different ways. Well, he owned it in Cyprus, and it was okay to own a property in, in anywhere but the Holy Land. Well, maybe it was his, he was married, so maybe it was his wife's property. Well, they say, listen, we don't know why or how he owned property that he may or may not have, maybe was supposed to have. But why, would people, why do people want to go out of their way to talk about what shouldn't have happened? And, and what Luke is doing is he's celebrating what he did right. And that's another great example. Instead of going out of our way to dissect what everyone has done wrong, the spiritual church really leans in towards celebrating what people are doing right. We, we, he leads us in paths of righteousness for his own namesake. This is the direction we're going. Oh, the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter. We celebrate and affirm, forward-moving, righteous living. Well, that's not the message yet, but it's still pretty good to stop and talk about it. So that's the good news. How many think that was good so far? Good, because you needed that first part because now the next is coming. But there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit. And you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell, as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. This is why we try to watch some of our vernacular and charismatic services. Oftentimes, people are overcome by the presence of the Lord. I like that phrase. They're overcome by the presence of the Lord. Some people even get real bold. Oh, they fell out under the power. Fine. But our Pentecostal forefathers used to say, oh, they got slain in the spirit. Well, (laughs) this is being slain in the spirit. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. Boy, 9 a.m. is just lively, isn't it? (laughs) And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they'll carry you out too. <laughs> spirit for Old church has a youth group. <laughs> this week's game: bury the dead. <clears throat> horrible instantly she fell to the floor and died and when the young men came in and saw that she was dead they carried her out and buried her beside her husband great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what happened mercy the spirit-filled church has a profound respect for the holy spirit I say that both by way of describing the way in terms of what we learn about the Spirit-filled church and prescribing how we should live as the Spirit-filled church. That they, we, must, should have a profound respect for the Holy Spirit. It's important enough now that I've said it and you can see it. Can we just say that line, that last line on the screen together? The Spirit-filled church has profound respect for the Holy Spirit. In this passage, Luke gives us an affirmation and a warning. The first part, the affirmation, where he says, hey, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt like what they owned wasn't their own, so they shared everything. Here's an example that the Spirit-filled church's devotion to Christ and to one another manifests in abundant generosity. The Spirit-filled church is a generous church. But there's a huge difference between feeling like all that I have comes from and belongs to Christ, and therefore I give to Him as an offering without obligation, but with joy and gratitude. That's generosity. There's a huge difference between that and how some people interpret this passage as saying everyone else has an inherent right to what I've earned and it can be taken from me by those in power and given to whomever. One of those is worship, the other is oppression. One of those is virtuous, the other is corrupt. The Spirit-filled church embraces the former. One of those is celebrated. The other must be resisted. Now, verse 33, Luke says, The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. Reading from the New Living, but you might have a different version. You might have uh, King Jimmy or New King James or whatever else. Uh, But the... The more, a more wooden translation, meaning an attempt to try to match, uh, uh, well, you know, all translation is subjective, but a, a more wooden translation might sound like this. With great power, they testified, and great grace yes. was upon them all. Yes. Yes. So verse 33 tells us something about the characteristics of a spirit-filled church. Awesome. That, that the spirit-filled church is a place where there is great power and great grace. Yes. And what's fun, I guess, for me and maybe for you, if you like these kind of words, is in the Greek, uh, the the word for great, of course, is mega. Yeah. 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 There you go. yeah. So if we're going to just be really super biblical, yeah. we can say that this in the Spirit filled a Spirit filled church is a place of mega power yeah. and mega grace. Yeah. Mega power, mega grace. What does that mean? That means that first of all, was that When we say mega power or great power, that means God was acting through them powerfully and then acting toward them favorably, generously. The power of the Lord and the blessing of the Lord was both greatly upon them. Mega power, mega grace. These things really should fill our expectometer. Just this week, I finally told my laptop that that is a word. I keep typing it, and it keeps objecting. So I said, click. Pick that. Now add it to the dictionary. And I should say that if that's not in your dictionary, add it. Because things need to go into your expectometer. <laughs> we have a little glossary in the lobby for people. <laughs> Here's some words you're going to hear. <laughs> <Expect-o-meter>. <laughs> in the drop down menu <laughs> verse 34 says there were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them in other words people that had more than enough shared with those who didn't have enough and here's an example for instance Joseph The one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Now, first, Luke is providing a specific example of virtuous generosity. First thing he's doing. Secondly, he's doing what Luke does in his narrative fashion is that Luke is giving us a quick backstory. uh, Just that he briefly will mention someone who later becomes a more important figure in the story. He does this. You'll see it a few more times. But who is this person, Joseph, nicknamed Barnabas, who I will probably call from here out, I will just call him Barney. <laughs> they named him Son of Encouragement. They aren't, we aren't told why or how they gave him that name, he, he, but he must have earned it, right. Son of Encouragement. Yeah. I wouldn't mind being called that. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than... Son of something else, I suppose. But uh... yep. but let's just pause just a second and ask this question: What nickname would you like? Or what 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 nickname? What would people call you now? How are you acting in and amongst your believers? That if they weren't call, if they didn't call you by your given name. Your character, your behavior, what how would they describe you? Maybe if you aren't too satisfied with what it would be now, consider what it could be. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah. So now we've got old Joe, who's Barney. He's, he's an example of devotion and generosity in the Spirit-filled church. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. But, chapter 5, verse 1 continues, but there was a certain man named Ananias and who, with his wife, sold some property. First of all, that's just fine, right? Sold property, so far so good. He brought part of the money to the apostles. So far so good. Claiming it was the full amount. This far, now bad. With his wife's consent he keeps the rest. So Ananias and Sapphira, if we're looking at what what Luke is doing, we read, Oh look, Joseph Barnabas, son of encouragement, he, he his lifestyle or he look, people love him, they recognize him, and it's so cool he got himself a nickname. So it looks like maybe Ananias and Sapphira said, Hey, let's also get ourselves some recognition. Maybe we can get a cool nickname too. And so they come to church and they say, here's all the money. And they agreed to do this together. Ananias and Sapphira tried to cash a check that their character couldn't cover. They wanted the credit of a reputation without the inconvenience. Of having a character. And Peter. Says to Ananias. Why. Have you let Satan. Fill your. Heart. Whoa. 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 First of all. Peter. Right away. Connects this activity to Satan. So. I mean it's. This, this is a satanic act. And, and Luke says, he just tells, says that, Peter said, why have you let Satan fill your heart? Uh, and f- unfortunately, I suppose, we, here we have an example of what filled means. We talk about most of the time, in fact, almost all of the time uh, in Luke's gospel, in, in Luke's, in, in, in the book of Acts, uh, when we're talking about being filled, we're talking about being filled with the Spirit. And... And I guess we have a kind of a negative example. If we're, if we're like, well, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, here's kind of a negative example. It means that when you, whatever you're filled with means that you have come under an influence. And you have taken on the character of, and you are acting like what or who you are full of. Whoa. And Peter says it was Ananias' fault. I mean, he says it's satanic, but he said, you let this happen. Meaning, like that Ananias was filled by whatever he yielded himself to. So will you and I. We will be filled by whomever we yield ourselves to. Why is this so bad? Why is Peter so irate? Why is he it's called his act, action satanic? Well, he says you lied to the Holy Spirit. Verse three and, and verse four, uh, two parts in my note that I have underlined. And here's what he said: You lied to the Holy Spirit. You weren't lying to us, but to God. We know Ananias could have done whatever he wanted to with the with the property to begin with. It was his property. When he sold the property, it was his money. He could have done what. He, nobody had any claim claim to it. There was no obligation. There was none of that nonsense. The, the, the problem wasn't that he sold property or kept money or gave some. It wasn't any of that nonsense. The problem was that Ananias pretended to be and to do who he was not. He lied in the presence of and directly to the Holy Spirit. And because he was lying, not just to people, he was lying to the church as part of the church. Therefore, he was lying to the Holy Spirit. Now, before anybody starts hearing, like, it's, it's interesting. In any given time, in any given room, people will hear things that nobody's saying. Uh, but nobody is saying that uh, nobody, nobody here. There, this is not a, a, uh, a proclamation of divine expectation of your perfection, that you have to be perfect or you'll die. This is saying stop pretending. Yeah. Yeah. Stop lying to God. Yeah. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. And then they buried him. Before we talk about that, let's just let the story finish out. Three hours later, his wife comes in. Peter asks, saying, "Did you? is this the price? Did you agree? Yep, that's the one. And then Peter says, how could you even think of... A coming together in agreement to test the spirit of the Lord. The young men who buried your husband, they're coming for you, and then she falls over and dies. Then verse 11 is sort of the, the summary lesson that Luke gives us. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what happened. Now when it says great fear, that doesn't mean that everyone ran and hid in the hills. Or stop coming to church. By great fear. He means that that there was a sudden and increased profound respect for the Holy Spirit. The result of this happening was great fear. If you're paying attention. Then you've heard what Luke has done. He introduced the Spirit filled church by describing it as a place of great power. And great grace. And now at the end of the story he says. And it's also a place. Of great fear. In fact there's three megas in the story today. Mega power. Mega grace. And right here again. Mega fear. Three characteristics of the spirit filled church. Power. Grace. And a profound respect for the Holy Spirit. All of these, all of these are what it means to be a spirit-filled church. Let's consider some of the implications here. Let's reflect on some prophetic and pastoral challenges for us. It may not surprise you. Uh, If you study this yourself, you can read different writers. Uh, There are a handful of significant commentators who who go to great effort to explain away what happened here? They do so. One of my favorite guys, who's great on history, one of his one of his one of his go to statements is, "Well, there's no need to make a miracle out of this." And he's just saying that, you know, have, and he says, "Well, you know, you have, you have felt that you've got caught in awkward moments yourself before, and you know, sometimes it can be overwhelming, <laughs> like." Ananias and Zephyr just felt awkward. Yeah, no. <laughs> and it was too much for them. <laughs> uh, usually people want to go out of their way to say it's not as intense as it sounds. They want to protect, uh, they want to protect Peter from sounding like he's too much of a me. Uh, they want to protect God. And they all, almost, to, the, almost to, a, to a person, they want to protect the reader. They want to make sure the reader doesn't get their feelings too upset. They want to make sure the reader doesn't come away from this with a profound respect for the Holy Spirit. Often the attitude that would seek to explain away what we saw be honest most of us would rather hear silver and gold have I none and walking and leaping and praising God and everyone's happy and praising Jesus versus two people have died and they buried him but it's all in the book it's all in the book The attitude that would seek to explain away the severity of this story is often the same attitude that would seek to excuse or permit or enable deceitful discipleship. Deceitful deceitful discipleship, yeah. When we call ourselves disciples but do not practice a profound respect for the Holy Spirit, then often disobedience and dishonesty become brazen wow. and boastful. Wow. 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 And we will submit to and invite the influence of Satan into our lives. Wow. And the consequences affect us and those around us. Again, this is not a prescription for perfection. This is a warning about being honest. Yeah. 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 Good. Folks love charismatic services. I'm in. The, yeah, thank you. Because uh, Dr. Jeff and I, we're in the front. You, you tell me we're gonna have a charismatic service. We love them. Why? Because we should. We should love the manifestation of the Spirit. We should absolutely desire and covet earnestly the gifts of the Spirit. They are expressions of God's grace and His kindness toward us. They affect us. They remind us of the age to come. They are the assurance and the influence of heaven. They bring the affection and the joy and the peace of God upon our lives to prevail in a powerful way. I mean, the way that the, the, the gifts of the Spirit have such a profound effect yeah. upon the way we feel. And, and all of it has a very holy and sanctifying effect. Yeah. Folks should love charismatic yeah. services. Yeah. Yeah. But, while the, but while the Spirit-filled church must eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, she must also strive to cultivate and to commit to a profound respect for the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. You might say that while His gifts affect how we feel, our respect for Him affects how He feels. It may be, in fact, that our fundamental respect for the Spirit of the Lord in the long term determines our experience of Him, one way or another. I believe that a profound respect For the Holy Spirit will will open the way for a greater experience of God's power and grace. It won't earn it, but it will open our lives. It will remove the hindrances. It will remove the barriers. It will remove the masks and the walls and the stuff that that blur us and blind us and hinder us and cause us to hide instead of helping us or inviting us to run into His embrace. (laughs) A profound respect for the Holy Spirit honors him and welcomes his manifest presence. And at the same time, a lack of that respect, I believe, will lead to a loss of both. It is possible to grieve and to quench the Spirit. Now, some people might ask, hey, Dad, yep. doesn't this happen anymore? Are you sure you want it to? And I guess more, more accurately, are you sure it doesn't? Now, Now, this story, like it happens, does not happen like it happened, again, in the inspired record. And when there's something that happens once or uniquely in the inspired record... That means that it is a sign to us. If it happens often, then it, that then it's a then it's a, a, a I would say it's something that's like I would say a signal, even though those are similar words. But if it happens often, that means it's normative. It's inviting us to expect that into our lives. If it happens once, it's a sign for us to remember. It points to a reality. So this happened once as a sign to remind us that. That, there, that we cannot avoid the justice of God, neither in the short term or the long term. Paul will remind his audience about this as he writes in his epistles. He'll tell us, hey, listen, you know, practice this profound respect for the, for the, for the Lord because God records. Listen to Galatians chapter 6. Don't be misled. You cannot Mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. Now, Paul is talking about a a, a this life and with the anticipation of the next. But there's a sense of immediacy to what Paul is saying about how we live this life, whether we live it to, to, to sow or to please our carnal nature, a sinful way. He said, if you do that, you're going to reap from that. If you, but if you live to please the spirit, even in this life, you will reap yes. in this life. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Life and peace from the yes. spirit. But what about for eternity? Yikes. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 and 12, John the Revelator says, And I saw a great white throne, and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. In other words, it happens, and it will happen, and no one will get away with anything. Aren't you thankful that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To confess means to agree. It is the opposite of lying to God. So, but Luke's intent in this passage is to emphasize to the reader the reality of the Holy Spirit's indwelling in the presence of the church together with the solemn and even awesome implications of this. Paul urges his readers to share this same profound respect for the Spirit. Here, listen to the words of Paul. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives His Holy Spirit to you. Ephesians 4, 4.30, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own. He has sealed you with His Spirit, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. 1 Corinthians 6.19-20, through 20, here's Paul. Do you not know... That your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. I grew up uh, singing that chorus, and I still like to sing it, uh, Know You Not. It's the King James Version of Do You Not Know. Know ye not? Know ye not? Know ye not? You are the temple. Know ye not? Know ye not? You are the temple. Know ye not? Know you are the temple. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That was pretty good. Then you, the next chord, filled with praise, filled with power, filled with glory. Okay. (laughs) Oh boy, it was fun. And that was to remind us that who we are, not because of what we've done, but because who lives in us. Do you not know that you're the temple? I'm filled with praise. I'm filled with power. Filled with glory. There's great power and great grace in my life. And yet, Paul says, "Also, know you not right. But you are filled with the very spirit of God." Here, his actual, his—he's <laughs> talking about the community. Six nineteen is talking about you individually. You are your bodies are the temple. But when he, and he talks about the church hear Paul's warning to those who refuse to respect the presence of the Lord in the gathered community. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Yes. Wow, or awesome, or yes goes there. Awesome. And if we just did 3.16, that'd be great. Yep. I mean, that's leaves us with a shout. But then 17 says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you together are that temple. The the Spirit-filled church has a profound respect for the Holy Spirit. What if we cultivated and committed to that? What if we cultivated and committed together to a profound respect for the Holy Spirit? Consider how this would affect us. How would it affect our financial integrity? How would it affect our moral integrity? Consider how it would motivate us to ditch the backpack full of stuff that we carry in secret. It's not helping you. And you're not fooling anyone. You're only harming yourself and those around you. And the key to freedom isn't self-loathing or lectures. The key to freedom is stepping into the light with joyful, grateful, reverent awareness of yeah. the presence of the Holy Spirit. Three mega characteristics of the Spirit filled church mega power, yes. mega grace, mega fear, profound. Respect for the Holy Spirit. These, all of these, are what it means to be a Spirit-filled church. Lord, we want to learn what this meant and live what it means. psalmist prayed, Lord search me and know me and see if there be any offensive thing in my life to you, anything that stumbles it's a prayer of absolute honesty before the Lord there is no fear in being honest there's no, nothing to be afraid of. The only thing that should make us tremble is trying to hide. Trying to hide from the Lord. No. We step into the light. This is a great morning for you to just be honest with the Lord. He loves you more than you can measure. He's already demonstrated that in Christ. And he desires your freedom, your wholeness more than you can measure. Our responsibility is to be honest before the Lord and ask the Lord to help us to cultivate and commit to that profound respect for His presence. Can we invite the searching cleansing? Light of the Spirit into our hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, come and search us. Come and know us. We open our lives to you in honesty and openness. In Jesus' name. Can we stand together. Let The worship team will lead us in this chorus. Let the Holy Spirit search your life today. This is my desire. desire spirit of the lord would you grant us great power great grace and would you lead us lord into an ever increasingly more profound respect for your presence as we pray in the mighty name of jesus amen Friends, if you'd like to carve out a moment in prayer, maybe do some business with God, just wait upon the Lord for a few moments. You're welcome to do that. If you want to find just a place even at the front, just wait on the Lord. Do some business with God. We welcome you to do that. The worship people keep playing for a little while. If you need to go, you're ready to go. God bless you. Be kind to someone on your way out. Find your kiddos. Grab another donut. Have a fantastic day. We are so glad that you came.